joy. The Bible talks about it quite a bit. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, it says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I believe that I have a very joyful heart. I have much to be thankful for. I just want to share with everyone what God has done in my life. And it's just, I can't keep it in. I just have to get it out. And just a couple of things. Um, I have prayed continually over the years for my grandchildren um, that they would come to know the Lord. In September, my 15-year-old grandson, Timothy, became a believer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and for his birthday in October... He was so happy about going together and picking out a Bible for his birthday. And um, I have lunch once a week with my grandson, Kyle, who is nine. And we started doing devotions together during that 30-minute time period. And, and as we were reading it and discussing God's Word, he said, Grammy, I really want to know how to read the Bible. How can I do that? So we are now, Jack and I are doing weekly a Bible study with both Kayla, our 13-year-old granddaughter, and Kyle. And it's, it's amazing. God is good. Um, and one of my greatest, uh, my most favorite songs, Christmas songs, is Oh Holy Night. And um, the part that says till he appeared and the soul felt his worth. And then it says, fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices, O night, O night, when Christ was born. When I hear those words, my soul rejoices. <laughs> Just the thought of that special night in Bethlehem so long ago, I think of Mary and Joseph. I think of the shepherds who were the, among the first to be told about the birth of their Savior, the Savior they had waited so long for. Jesus was born for them. He was born for you, and he was born for me. God's amazing gift to us. What a joy he has given us. Thanks be to God. It was surely an amazing night, as the animals noticed an unusual sight. The dark sky was dotted with stars all alight, and the angel of the Lord was on heavenly flight. The host of angels soon came into sight, their presence fills the night so bright, what an awesome silent night. The donkey spoke softly, the words so keen, long, steep, and hard this roadway had seen. The roads are not crowded, and there is no room in the inn. It was this silent night you see that I carried Mary, the mother to be. We, being animals, didn't have many cares. We quickly offered a stable to share. Little did we know, just within sight, it was going to be an amazing night. We we were aware that Joseph had tried. He accepted this stable with a hint of a sigh. I am the camel who will announce with delight Jesus will be born on this very night. Could I be the one to lead and to bring the three wise men to see our King? Kids are, are certainly a hard act to follow. I think we could go home right now and be happy. It's hard not to see this scene up here and just not have a smile on your face. 
And then you're going to have that song in your mind all day long. It's just in your brain, and it gets in there. It's, it's pretty cool. And, and I'm the guy, I, I have to admit, in front of friends and family, I'm the guy that's pulling for something bad to happen up here. Not bad. A kid to pick their nose, some hair to be flipped, something to happen, and some camera to be on to catch it all. Is, is, is wonderful. Uh, love this scene up here. I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, one of the wise men has a black eye, I think. Uh, I don't know if there was some kind of fight uh, on the way to the, with the star and directions and, and that kind of thing, but uh, cool stuff. Well, hopefully you have uh, enjoyed this uh, Christmas season and you have uh, drawn closer to God during this time. We've heard a lot of Christmas music in the last few weeks. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas song? What's your favorite Christmas song? And I'll just throw in there a secular and a carol. Ponder that. Talk to your neighbor. Share now what those are. I'll give you a few seconds on that. All right. Favorite Christmas song. In this section over here, just someone shout out their favorite Christmas song. Jingle Bells, I heard you in the back row. Somebody over here, favorite Christmas song? 12 Days of Christmas, Rudolph. Over here? Silent Nights, beautiful. What lie? Oh, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. I'm sorry. I feel like an. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. I am very thankful. Love Christmas music, but I am also very thankful for 103.7, who doesn't play Christmas music all the time. I've been kind of living there a little bit. Uh, I love the songs. My favorite, probably, secular song is All I Want for Christmas is You, Baby. Uh, Mariah, that might be the, the, the best thing that Mariah's ever sang before. Uh, and then Mary stole my, my favorite carol, Oh Holy Night. When you hear that and just the, the perfect, con- it just, your heart just, it, it just brings you joy and maybe a tear or two. It's a beautiful thing. Songs are powerful. And this season is it's full of great songs. Uh, I heard a story once about the uh, country singer Travis Tritt. Uh, I'm not completely familiar with Travis's work because I'm not a country fan. Any Travis Tritt fans out there tonight or today? Yeah? Nashville people? He's a country music singer, and uh, early on in his career, he was uh, not known at all and still not known by me, but uh, he would go to small places like bars and things like that to play and you know, kind of on the side, and he told a story about how occasionally at these bars, fights would break out. Shocker. Um, fights would break out. And he said when, when rednecks started grabbing pool cues and, and glasses started to fly, one day, and it was in the middle of July, I got this idea. He said, I just, ducking through all the chaos, I just grabbed the microphone and started to sing Silent Night in July. And the bar just froze <laughs> And everyone, almost like the Pledge of Allegiance, they just stopped what they were doing, and some people began to sing. And he said, there was a guy in there, and he started even to cry in the middle of it. And he said, this just became a routine. When it didn't matter where it was or when it was, if there was a fight that would break out, silent night, I'd jump on the microphone, these, all these guys would stop. I'm, he said, I'm sweating up a pit, like a pig, and I'm singing silent night, and 
It's just amazing the power of song. And we're going to talk about maybe the first Christmas song today as we look at Mary's song in, in Luke chapter 1. So if you want to grab your Bible, you can go there. Now, as we think about Mary, I don't know what image pops into your mind. I don't know if you have a Catholic background. I don't know if you are into fine arts. There's a few images that kind of maybe jump in your mind. Maybe something like uh, some of these pictures that we see uh, from, from history and, and fine arts. There's a couple of pictures, and it kind of gives a picture of Mary being very stately, uh, very confident. She usually is always wearing some kind of red velvet uh, of some sort and glowing a little bit. I, I have to say, I, I don't know if that's the, the most accurate picture of, of who Mary was. I, I think that we, we know a little better. We know that she was between the ages of 12 and 15, some scholars say. And I've been working with junior high kids for a long time, and there is nothing confident nor stately about <laughs> junior high kids. In fact, as we look back and you flash back to your life, maybe the most awkward time of your entire life is right there in those 12 to 15-year-old range. Think of that most awkward moment in your life, and I guarantee it's somewhere in there. I mean, there's all kinds of changes going on. There's, of course, there's voice changes, and there's body changes, and there's actually having to change in the locker room changes, and... There's just a lot of unconfidence and fear and questions and, uh, you know, I can think about some very scary times in my own life that involved bad clothing, uh, jam shorts, mullets, silk shirts, all kinds of things. You look back and you go, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And you have no clue. Uh, one of my most embarrassing moments, just popped into my mind, I'm deciding to share it, uh, involved my one of my first kisses uh, because I had braces and zits and half of a mullet. Uh, I am going to attempt a first kiss with a girl that I met on a mission trip. And uh, yes, good reason to go on a mission trip this summer, kids. Um, and in the middle of all that, I don't know what happened, but I know what the end result was. And that was her lip was bleeding. <laughs> and that's hard to hide. That's hard to hide from friends and from youth leaders and other places. Awkward, awkward, awkward uh, stuff. You know, that's kind of the picture I have here of Mary. And just full of lots of questions. Lots of just not knowing what the future holds. Quite vulnerable and I love Dan Boone. He's the president of Trevecca University. He, he has a blog, and, and he wrote about this vulnerability this week. And she, he says this. She, she probably wears, this is a comparison today, Walmart or Old Navy clothes at best. She can't read because girls of her day rarely did. Her parents make all the decisions for her that affect her life, including the one that she's going to marry this man named Joseph, who she probably doesn't know very well. We don't even know if she liked him at all. She lives in a small town that most likely, if it were today's town, wouldn't have a McDonald's and maybe one stoplight. And in the middle of all this emotional, physical uncertainty, she is betrothed to be married. Betrothed to be married to someone she doesn't know. And think about all the questions that you had going into marriage. By the way, congratulations, James and Jackie, on engagement this weekend. Yeah. 
We are excited for you, but there are tons of questions that will come up. Questions like, how do you fold the towels in the right way? Is there, I know that there's a right way, and I know that I'm doing it the wrong way. Uh, things about where, who's going to pay the bills, who's going to cook the meals, who's going to do this, who's going to do that. There's so many things that are, and she's going into this scene with that kind of, that kind of vulnerability. We're, we're pretty vulnerable, too, in our world, aren't we? We look at the headlines, you can't help but, but feel vulnerable. We see things, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but hurricanes, tornadoes. I have been there, and maybe you have been too, holding a window in place because you feel the trembling of the house as the hurricane comes by. It makes you feel like you're out of control. We see those headlines around our world. We've seen unstable financial conditions in our, in our country, and we see the ups and the downs from that, and some of us are still hurting from the, from the depression of, of a few, few years ago. We see wars and rumors of war on, on headlines in North Korea. What are they going to do next? We, we see just uncertainty around every corner. It was only a couple of months ago that uh, we came home from school and uh, were greeted by a neighbor down the road. And you could just see the fear in her eyes because someone had actually broken into her home. And just that feeling of... Man, no security there. My parents right now, they're working on, uh, they're trying to work with my grandmother. She's at that place in life where she wants to live in her house, but we know that she only has a few years left with us. And we know that she really can't take care of herself. The questions that go along that, with that, what, what do you do with that? Kids make us feel vulnerable too, don't they? <laughs> Loved the scene up here this morning, but I tell you, you know, I, sometimes it just scares me to death to think about the future of our kids. I remember when Noah was born, and I would go to his room, and I would almost just, I would, I would just sit there and watch him breathe, and thinking about the worst, hoping for the best, and it scares you to death. I was talking to somebody a couple of uh, weeks ago, and I said, you know what, I think I would pay almost anything to make sure that my kid came to know the Lord. He, he understood, and, and, and they all, three of them, loved God. I, I, and I want to protect them and, and watch over them. And, and we have these, in the midst of our vulnerability, in the midst of the questions of life, and there's so many of them. As we look around, job insecurity, sometimes relationship insecurity, just things that are just so volatile everywhere in questions. And the ways that we cope with these questions, we do, them, we do different things to cope with them. And, and you probably know about these things. We mask our vulnerability, our insecurities. We mask them sometimes with, with food, sometimes with sports, sometimes with TV, sometimes with anything to fill the space so that we can't think and we can't be afraid. In fact, uh, one researcher said we are the most in-debt, obese addicted and medicated adult cohort in U.S. history. What do, you, what do you do with that stuff? We try to, to mask some of that vulnerability. Sometimes we, we try to make certain things or uncertain things certain. We, 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 we try to control. We try to, to basically in everything that we do, we say, we come to this conclusion, I'm right and you're wrong 
and leave no conversation in between. We see that in our politics these days. We put up defensive walls as many places as, as we can. I live close to Town Lake, and I drive no to school there, and, and on the right, there is this giant wall of just stone and brick that this protecting this neighborhood. We put walls up, and on the left side, there's these iron gates of, that protect that neighborhood. And I wonder, like, I wonder what the cost difference between the, the iron gate, the stone and the iron, and, but we, we try to protect things. That's our answer to our vulnerability and, and, our, and our fear. And then, in the midst of the season, we try to collect things even. We collect stuff. And that's kind of our world's answer is if, if you have enough money, if you have enough power, then you can protect yourself from the fear and the, the vulnerability. And that's what we see all around us. And, and there's someone in this room, and it's not just kids, that say, if I could just have blank. If I could just have blank. Maybe it's for Christmas. Maybe it's that Lexus with a bow that we see those commercials. Who gets one of those for Christmas? I, if you are one of those people, I don't want to know. <laughs> all right? But if I just had that Lexus, if I just had that new job, if I just had that new whatever, if I just had a person that cared about me, and we fill these spaces, and if I just had this, this, and this, then things would be different. This is the vulnerability. These are the questions. This is where we all are, and this is where we find Mary. In, 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 in Luke chapter 1, we read of this, this story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel. Forever his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, very legitimate question, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the mother, the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So an angel shows up and says, in the middle of the questions that you already have about life and things that are coming to the future and what's going to happen, suddenly, oh, by the way, you are going to carry a child, a son, and he's going to be the savior of the world. Can you imagine the conversation, the, the, the back and forth that was going on in her mind? What does this mean? Now, Joseph, betrothed, what is he going to think? My world is totally rocked in this small town. People talk. People talk, folks. What are they going to say? What are they gonna... All of these things swirling in her mind, these questions. Um, I was watching... Uh, 
I don't know how, you know, sometimes if you're surfing on your computer, uh, you, things just pop up and you just watch them and you know how that goes. One thing leads to another. Well, I found these conferences. They're called the TED Conference. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but basically it's, it's a world of business and entertainment. And the, it's a secular world where people are basically are giving talks uh, and idea, idea sharing in the world of business. And I came across uh, a person by the name of uh, Dr. Brene Brown. She's a researcher at the University of Houston. Uh, and I watched her talk uh, her, on the TED Talks, and it was about the power of vulnerability. So I get into this, and basically her goal uh, in research was to somehow eliminate vulnerability. That, you know, in research, you're trying to predict and control. Predict and control. Uh, and, and she studied, started to study shame and started to study uh, people's uh, emotion, and especially in the social work world. And in the middle of all this studying, it, one year led to six years, and suddenly she had what she called a breakdown. Because she realized in the midst of the research, in the midst of all the case studies and the conversations, that there were people that found themselves worthy and the people that didn't found themselves worthy. And there were people that, uh, that had questions and vulnerabilities on both sides. And in trying to get rid of this, she found that she couldn't. And I love a quote that she has. She says, vulnerability, it's the core of shame and fear and struggle for worthiness. But it's also the birthplace for joy, creativity, belonging, and experiencing love. And, and, and what she's saying here in the midst of in the, this, this talk was that vulnerability is a reality. We're going to experience the question marks. It's what we do with those questions is what really matters. Uh, there is a uh, clip that I want to show you. It's a video and it's just a small talk uh, that she gave. And it, and it talks a little bit about how in the midst of this, as she alludes to it, in the midst of this research, she finds herself after 25 years of being out of the church, coming to this crisis moment, this vulnerable moment, she realized her need for God and came back to the church, came back to faith. So let's, let's see what she has to say. have anything I, th I thought I had control over everything and I have no con you know it's like riding a surfboard it's like you just kind of stay on top of it and every now and then it crashes down on you but it's it's not and I don't want to control of it I mean people my therapist used to laugh all the time she's like you need to get a bracelet that says let go and let Brene <laughs> I was like I do you know I mean I, I definitely think that that, and you know, it's interesting because my, my return to faith was definitely around that breakdown. That's when I went, you know, but I went for the wrong reasons. I really went because I'm like, this, hard, this is hard and this hurts. And in all the midlife unraveling books, they say go back to church. That's what everybody does. So I went back to church thinking that it would be like um, an epidural, like it would take the pain away. Like I would just replace research with church. You know, and then church would make the pain go away. And then, it, you know, I write, all, I write in this book I'm working on right now that it was, you know, faith in church was not an epidural for, for me at all. It was like a midwife who just stood next to me saying, push. It's supposed to hurt a little bit, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it was a completely new experience going back for me. And, and navigating, you know, I always find all my faith, like I can't quote scripture, but I can quote song lyrics. Um, 
But one of the things that I realized, because you know, when I first started looking for a church during my breakdown that I talk about on TED, I had this list. It's like the total like progressives list for church finding. Like, um, I don't want people who dress up. I don't want to know any. I don't want to know anyone at this church because it'd be very. It was controversial when I went back to church because I'm an academic and very secular program. Um, I don't want Jesus in the name of the church. A saint would be okay, but not anything Jesus-focused, you know. Um, and so I ended up, you know, going to a church that's Christ, you know, has Christ in the name of it. But one of the things that helped me really recognize that was Leonard Cohen. He's got this, because my, my straightforward faith is basically I believe God is love. And it makes total sense to me that Jesus would have to be the Son of God because people would want love to be like unicorns and rainbows. And so then you just send Jesus and, and people go, oh my God, love is hard. Love is sacrifice. Love is, you know, eating with the sick. Love is breaking bread with people that, you know, that can, you know love is trouble. Love is rebellious. Love is, and so I was listening to this Leonard Cohen song and it said, love is not a victory march. Love is a cold and broken hallelujah. And to me, that made sense of that. That, that totally like, I like, I got it. That, you know, when I listened to that, I'm like, Love is not easy. Love is not like hearts and bows. Love is very, uh, love is very controversial, really. Yeah. Love is not unicorn. It's love is hard. We have a God that was not satisfied with a disconnected relationship from afar. But we have a God that realized our vulnerability. In the midst of this research, vulnerability could not be eliminated. But vulnerability has to be embraced. And we have a God that didn't just talk about this, but he came to earth as a baby and became extremely vulnerable for us. In fact, vulnerable to the place of a cross, that he would die for us, that he would die for you, and he would die for me. And it, one of the things that she points out, Dr. Brown does, that I, that I, I love is that she discovered that there are people that live wholeheartedly. And people that live wholeheartedly are those who embrace their vulnerability. And I feel like that Mary really embraces her vulnerability. In the midst of all these questions, there's a few things that stick out. First of all is this. After the angel proclaims this great miracle that's about to happen to her, and that the Lord is going to be born to her. What is her response? First, of course, there's an obvious question. I'm a virgin. Um, yeah. And uh, if you don't want to talk more about that, Pastor Garen is uh, available after the service today. <laughs> there's the obvious thing there. But the end, there is a, here am I. May it be so. Here am I. May it, whatever, what you just said, may it be so in my life. It reminds me so much of that Isaiah 6 passage where, if you remember it, uh, in Isaiah 6, the angels come into the temple and the glory of the Lord is there. And his, the train of his robe fills the place and there's smoke. And there's, I mean, it's just like a scene from Hollywood. There's just these angels flying around. They have six wings and they're covering their face. And they're singing and they're praising God. And Isaiah, what does he do? He falls down on his knees and he realizes in the midst of a holy God that he is unworthy. That he is, is not worthy to be in the presence of this, this king. And what does he do? He says, I, my lips, my eyes, I, 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 I'm not worthy. 
And, and, and God asked a question, who is going to go for us? Who shall we send? And his, his answer is, here am I, send me. She responds in the midst of all these questions. She responds with obedience. She responds with obedience. In the midst of the vulnerability of our lives, God calls and, and hopes and desires for us to be obedient. But that's not always easy. Because we can't see what the future holds. Can't see what the future holds. And so we come to the next part where she goes to Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth, you know the story. Upon hearing Mary's greetings, basically the baby inside of Elizabeth, she leaps for joy, which leaping inside of someone, that just scary. Um, but she leaps, he leaps for joy, and suddenly Elizabeth, what does he say? She said, blessed is the woman who, we'll find it in Luke 44 and 45, I heard your greeting, the baby in the womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed what the Lord said, the Lord said would, he would do. He believed what the, what the Lord said he would do. Mary believed that what God said he would do. And do you believe that what God says he's going to do in your life? There are promises all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Bible. And sometimes we read these promises, and they just fly over our heads, or we've heard them, or we, we don't. Let's, let's listen to a few of them. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. He gives power to the weak. And strength to the powerless. Even the youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear and harm. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. There is these promises that God gives us of peace, of joy, of, of salvation. If we will embrace them, embrace them. I... Uh, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to visit uh, 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 Dwayne Milner in the hospital. It was a couple months ago, actually. And uh, we're there, the call was late, and things did not look very good, I'm going to be honest. It was, it was pretty late in the night. It was a Saturday night. And I felt it was so dire that I should go down to the hospital uh, then. Tons of questions. Who knew if there would be hours, seconds, days, minutes? When I got down there, I really didn't know what to expect. I was thinking, do I need to ask some of the important questions of life? Are you okay with, how is your relationship with God? Those kind of things that you want to ask in those last moments. And when I got into the room, it was amazing. I've never seen somebody with so much peace and joy and just carefree. He knew the situation. He knew the possibilities. And yet, in the middle of all that, he had almost a glow on his face as he talked about his relationship with God. 
and he talked about his, his faith. And, and just, I kind of sheepishly asked him, how are things with you? And God, things are great. It could be tonight or it could be tomorrow. It doesn't matter when. It'll only be sooner or later for me to be with my Lord. Wow, that's faith. To, to look at the questions in the, in the eye and to have that kind of courage and to kind of have that kind of, uh, of strength. That's the kind of strength that we see with Mary. And it's, it's in that spirit that suddenly, in hearing Elizabeth's words, she breaks out in song. Uh, there are these places in the Bible. I don't know if you noticed that the, the people of God, they, we sing. We're singers. I'm not a singer, but we are singers throughout the word. We see that in Exodus where the Red Sea is parted and the people walk through and suddenly, you know, the army is, is, is sucked up in, into the waves. And, and what happens? They just grab the tambourines and they're like, let's sing. Let's do it. Dun, dun. It feels like it's like a, some kind of musical, the Jets and the Sharks, Les Mis, something, but people are always singing. Uh, but there are other places where people are singing throughout the Bible. And uh, this is one where Mary just begins to sing. And it's called the Magnificat. Magnificat. Without, it's a funny word, Magnificat. If you try to YouTube Magnificat, you get some pretty funny videos uh, with magnificent cats. Uh, People love their cats, by the way. I don't know if you know that. But the Magnificat, it, it's where Mary begins to just sing uh, in a response. And her, and her words are, are beautiful words. As we look at them in Luke chapter, chapter 1, and verse 46, she says this. Mary responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In the middle of all of this, she responds with joy and gratitude. Dr. Brown talks about these moments where you're vulnerable. I don't know if you've ever had those moments like I talked about a little earlier, where you begin to think about the catastrophic possibilities in your life. For me, it was looking down at my, my sweet babies and, and, and wondering, man, what could happen here? I mean, Melanie had a, a sister that, that passed away because of SIDS. What if he doesn't breathe his next breath? We begin to see that the catastrophic possibilities instead of responding with gratitude. And that's Mary's response here. It's this response of joy and gratitude. And in the midst of that kind of vulnerability, that's where joy can be found. That's where connection can be found. And our response should be songs of praise, songs of, of joy. A couple, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, the fact that I had uh, gastritis. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had anything like that before, but it basically feels like uh, you need some kind of operation because there's something inside of you that needs to come out. It just, I don't know if it was a pancreas or a lung or a kidney or it, there was something inside of me that needed to come out because it was so painful. And I went to the doctor. They told me it was gastritis, stress, food, all those things. Well, from that point on, God has begun to do something inside of me. And... Uh, it, the doctor didn't tell me this. It was more through God's word. And it, and it was a scripture that Mary actually read earlier. You know, basically, don't worry about anything, but give thanks. Come to me and tell me about your problems. And it's in these moments that I begin to give God thanks. In the moments that I've felt the questions, when I felt the vulnerability, that I begin to thank God. I've been going to thank God. I've been singing songs of praise. 
I've been, not out loud, uh, I've been singing these songs in my heart. I've been taking pictures, sometimes in my mind and in my life, of the way that God has blessed and worked. And I just take a step back, and sometimes a smile comes across my face. I go, in the midst of the questions, you are good, God. We have a good God. And it's in that that, that attitude in that place that brings us joy in the midst of the vulnerability. And that's where we find Mary. She continues to sing. And she says, For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will, be, will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped the servant Israel, his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary proclaims that God is her Savior. And verse after verse, there is this string where God talks about the humble, to those who are lowly, those who are, that, that, that basically are hungry for God. We see that, that string throughout Scripture, throughout the, the whole story of our, 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 our people and our God, that those who humble themselves, those who rely on God, those are the ones that are lifted up. And God is going to flip the kingdom, and he's going to say it's not about those who are powerful, they're strong, that have. It's about those who depend, those who trust in me, those who walk with me, those who realize that they need me. It's those, those people that will be glorified. Those will be lifted up, and that's where we find Mary. There are tons of questions, tons of questions in our life. I don't know the questions in your life right now. I don't know where you find yourself today, where you feel vulnerable in your life, but I know a God that cares. I know a God that, that came down as a baby, that isn't unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but can relate to us in every way. He lived like we live. He bled. He sweated. He experienced every high and low. And it's within that vulnerability that we can truly connect with God. It's in that vulnerability, like Mary, we can be faithful. We can trust. We can praise God in the midst of the questions. And when we do that, that's where joy comes. That's where connection with God comes. And my hope for you this Christmas season, as you gather with family, as you approach this season, and maybe there are tons of things that are going on in your heart and your life. Tons of question marks. My hope is that you will find peace and joy in our Lord and our Savior. For that, that is where it truly lies. Let's pray. God, Lord, we are so dependent on you. I am so dependent on you. I need you, Lord. I need you in every single area of my life. God, the moments where I try to take over and I try to take control, I just seem to fall on my face. God, I, I thank you that throughout your story, God, you use people who don't have all the answers. 
who are scared, who are considered by society, they're, they're nobodies. They're, but you listen to those who humble themselves. You are right beside us. You don't leave us and, 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 and have this distance between us, Lord, but you are a God that is near. You are a God that is present in our lives. You are a God that can relate, that understands us in the midst of our, our vulnerability, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would embrace that. Lord, as your humble servants, God, Lord, forgive us when we try to tell you what to do. Lord, forgive us when our pride swells up and blinds us. Forgive us when our agenda is more important than yours. God, give us faith to believe. Give us courage to act. Help us to trust you, to seek you, to praise you, or to thank you in all that we do, God. Lord, we love you today, and we worship you with all our heart. We pray these things in your name. Amen.